A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 53. These are the continued voyages of myself, Eddie Edwards, and my friend and colleague, Mr. Mark Bench, as we trek our way through all of all of Star Trek, the next generation. Uh, Mark, how, how you been? What you been up to? Yeah, I've been good, mate. Um, not a lot, to be honest. Uh, I started started hosting a, a movie-based pub quiz. Oh, That's well, been that fun. Uh, in a cinema. Uh, okay. I, I don't think they'll hear this because they, they, they haven't advertised it so everybody that's come in has been like oh okay there's a pub quiz on yeah so I'll I'll do that great it's about movies <laughs> I don't know much about movies oh fantastic <laughs> so it's like I have I have real, I have real particular tastes in pub quiz quizzes um, I think there's a real fine line between a pub quiz that's fun and a pub quiz that's just a guy trying to show off how much he knows about things. Okay. And yeah. the pub quiz and, host... And you fall very much into the second category, I imagine. <laughs> uh, you'd actually, you'd be surprised, right? I like to think that uh, I'm as... Because ex- I want everyone to have a nice time, and I like a good sense of competition. Uh, like the Super Bowl, that was a great game. And game. Uh, yeah. I want, you know, close, close-knit fucking scores and all that. Um, but the, and so this, these questions, I thought I'll make these pretty easy. Uh, but then it made me realise that what I think is easy and what <laughs> people who don't watch movies chronically think is easy is quite quite far apart. Yeah, but they had a nice time, and that's really what counts. Okay, I I want to, and now I, the next time I'm in Glasgow, I want to attend to this pub quiz. <laughs> It sounds, it's a good laugh because I, I I'm up for it. Yeah. I've uh, I've been, so I've been uh, I listened to a podcast uh, that you, you might you, you might have some interest in. It's it's called the Cultaholic Classic Review, and they go they're going through old uh, episodes of Monday Night Raw, right? And um, they do live they do a live commentary track for each of the pay per views. And this week we got up to King of the Ring 1996, nice. which is a, a pay per view that is not notable for any of the matches that happen but is noticeable for what stone cold steve austin says after winning king of the ring which is um, i'm gonna fuck stephanie mcmahon no it's not that (laughs) it's when he he says uh are you talking about your psalms and your john 316 well austin 316 says i just whipped your ass uh and then Vincent Vince McMahon immediately builds another wing on his house. Uh, that's, that's been my so my week has just been having that promo go around in my head, uh, and I've, I've had a lovely time. Do you think <laughs> it's the result. only time in actual history where a man's pupils turned into dollar signs and the, <laughs> and the clink clang sound of a telephone thing actually sounded? Uh, 
I'm I'm looking forward to like watching the next episode. I want to watch the next episode of Raw on the WWE Network just to see how many people had Austin three sixteen signs immediately. Yeah, because there's a thing about it in uh, Mick Foley's book uh, Have a Nice Day, which if you've ever read it, haven't, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a great book. But um, he's, uh, he's talking. Recommends it. He's talking a bit about it, about his, um, he had a smiley face t-shirt that had the Mankind mask on it. And it was, he goes, um, when that first came out, like, there was a period where like the audience would be about a third of the, uh, like a third of the audience would be wearing that. Yeah. And about a third would be wearing one of the Rocks t-shirts. And about a third would be wearing uh, a, a, a Stone Cold's t-shirt. And then after Austin 316 happened, he said, that just shifted immediately to 90% of the audience wearing Austin t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know how, how it works? Because I'm always fascinated by things behind the scenes, uh, which is why I generally do absolutely no research into the behind the scenes of these episodes that I'm supposed to be talking about. <laughs> but um, like, what happens, Like, because obviously he just came up with that, right, off the top of his head. Like, Austin yeah. presumably wrote that. So... I always remember a really good interview with Adam Buxton, uh, where he, I think he was the interviewer, I can't remember who the interviewee was, but they were talking about doing voiceovers for adverts, and Adam Buxton said, you have to be very careful, when they tell you to suggest things, don't suggest anything that's better than something that they've already written, because they won't pay you for that. So... (laughs) Um, like, um, did, did Steve Austin, like, did they, um, did Vince immediately pull him inside and go, right, 15%, take it, you, right. you either take 15% now or you take nothing. So the way I understand it is, like, built into your contract as a wrestler is, um, like, you get your, you get, you don't, you don't, you're, first of all, you're not an employee, you're considered a, a contractor. Yeah. But you get like a, 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 there's a thing called a downside guarantee, which is like how much you get paid if they don't use you at all. And then there's like a per appearance fee, how much you get paid for being on the pay-per-view. And then there is very specifically, there is like a merchandising cut. And normally having like a t-shirt ready to roll, if you've got something planned, like you're going to put the title on somebody and you're going to have a t-shirt for that. That's all ready to go. But if you're a good wrestling company or or an established wrestling company, you basically have a deal with a t-shirt printing company where you can get them to get something out for you en masse in like a day or two. Right. So, yeah. So basically, um, because apparently uh, uh, they used to get like a, uh, this is again from Mick Foley's book, they used to get like a dot matrix printout with like line by line everything for everybody's merch like sales and for most of like the the top stars there's like three or two or three pages and he says but if if you were going to collect your little print out and you're after steve you had to wait for them to get another box of dot matrix paper. <laughs> it's just, just like yeah uh, medium t-shirts large t-shirts oh with just one fucking slogan on it and it's yeah jesus <laughs> He still, he still is like every. He apparently, I think he still is making like a couple of million a year yeah. on like the, his cut of the t-shirt sales for 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 something he came up with. And he said it about Jake Roberts, who like nobody even remembers that it's him he was talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just I I love the idea of of that of being able to 
do say because there's um because I know AEW uh, another wrestling promotion uh, their top merch seller is a, a guy called Danhausen who has only wrestled like four matches on TV <laughs> but he's got like cool face paint and he talks funny so everybody loves him so he's their top merch seller and they, they, they're just in the group where that no, you know they're, they're, like any time you say something they're ready to roll like if you say something and it lands with the crowd they're ready to um get something out so there's a, a tag team called the acclaimed um and they have a thing where they uh do a hand gesture they call scissoring where they both put out scissors and shove their hands together and they ended up um in a feud uh, in a faction with uh, billy guns kids who you may remember as mr ass from wwe <laughs> so his children both of them got in it uh <laughs> his, are they are they are, got, they are they just two cheeks of the same ass <laughs> well they got nicknamed the ass boys uh, and as a result because they were Billy the Gunn's sons and yeah and then Billy Gunn got nicknamed by the crowd daddy ass um, <laughs> he then turned on his own children to be with the acclaimed the acclaimed started it built into their intro as they came to the ring the phrase scissor me daddy ass that ended up on a t-shirt. That ended up being AEW's biggest piece of merch that they ever made. <laughs> and it's in it's in bright pink lettering. Like wow. there's there's no subtlety about it. <laughs> there's a there's a guy who um, he's sort of he's part of the Rick and Morty crew, right? Uh, obviously, Justin Roiland is in the bin, so I don't know where this leaves him. Uh, but has <laughs> he's he's called Ryan Ridley, and. As far as we know, he had nothing to do with Justin Roiland's crimes. Uh, <laughs> well, it'd be weird if he was like, if he had work colleagues helping out with his domestic abuse. But I just need you to drive a hammer around, quick. But he, he came up with Justin Roiland. So Justin Roiland, from what I understand, I, I haven't really looked a lot into his background, but I think Justin Roiland had rich parents. I'm just, I'm just going to say allegedly. He might listen to this. So I, I think he had rich parents, and that's kind of what kept him uh, on the scene. But his pal, who he done a lot of podcasts with back in the day, his claim to fame is that he created the t-shirt that says, I do my own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he just makes so much money off this that he was able to just bum around LA for a couple oh. of years until Rick and Morty got made and then he got brought in. Now with what's coming out, presumably as a fucking go between between Justin and Dan. That's that's the dream is just to come up with a t-shirt that's moderately funny and then yeah. like have it worn by like Macaulay Culkin or Devin Sawyer not somebody massively famous but somebody who's got enough like hipster cred yeah. that your global t-shirt sales keep you out of having to do a real job for the rest of your life and having <laughs> having a, having a battle like what do you call Urban Outfitters when they just steal it off you I I love people like that I love I love people who like come up with like one one stupid idea that goes crazy and that's it they're, they're like, like like the person who invented the pet rock like fucking yeah. hats off to you sir genius i've put a rock in a box i've made it look like a pet it's going to be the smash it gift of the uh, gift of this christmas for exactly one year and then i'm going to take that money and i'm going to fuck off <laughs> speaking of people coming up with a crazy idea that really takes off um this week's episode of star trek <laughs> and just before we move on just for the for the purposes of not doxing myself, all that stuff earlier that I said that I did, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, 
So this episode of Star Trek is... I, I feel that we've got to talk about this two things. One, there is a very good technical episode of Star Trek where people try and solve a puzzle using their technical acumen. And it's a really good classic Star Trek in that mould. And also, George Geordie LaForge does some deeply problematic behaviour yep. involving essentially deep faking a prominent warp engineer. <laughs> <laughs> what what are the ethics on this? Like getting our is this just something that we have to accept happens in Star Trek? Is that if if you will if you exist, somebody has made a holodeck version of you to fuck. Yeah. Um I think uh, you know the yeah. longer the longer I hesitate, the creepier you think I am. But um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Because I guess because I guess there there is an out, isn't there? Like if you like if Jordy ever meets her in real life, and which she does, which is <laughs> right, and he, and she's read the logs or whatever, right? His. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe he can turn around and say, well, to be fair, I didn't make you to fuck. I made you to help me fix this engine, which you did. It just also turned out that, you know, you're pretty decent. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, wanted a, I wanted a piece of that. And, uh, I... and I made you fall for me while we were saving the ship. If anything, this is your fault. I imagine that's what you'll say. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine Geordie says this is specifically... I assume he would call it a female uh, and say it's her fault because um, <laughs> if they, if uh, if women, if females weren't, uh, would uh, just have sex with Geordie, he wouldn't have to do things like this. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's bad. Right, I was trying to work... I was trying to work out like a, a modern day metaphor for this, and I was like, "Right, if you were good enough at art that you could draw really nice, realistic like drawings, and you decided then to draw pornographic images of your coworkers, right, that yeah. they never know about, that doesn't mean it's okay. No, it's not right? good, that's... is it? <laughs> no, that's... that's yeah." Yeah, there's no explaining that away. That's an HR <laughs> meeting that you're not going to enjoy. I, don't, I think this is. I think this is the thing. I think the problem is right. Starfleet has aliens in it, so nobody could decide what human resources should be called. So they just don't have one, and therefore Geordie's allowed to do stuff like this. <laughs> I, I, I think we should actually address what Geordie does. Right, he, he wants to. He needs to get some more energy out the warp core. So he, he goes to the hollow deck because they're running low on power. So Geordie immediately decides to fucking fire up the thing that must use tons of electricity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, oh, and I, like, oh, I read about this. The hollow deck has a separate power source from the rest of the ship so that they can immediately right. cut it off when it starts to murder them. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So. But either way, he goes down. He makes this holographic thing, and it's like, oh, I can, I can give you where the, like, the actual prototype of it being made. And it's, yeah, that's perfect. Back to basics. And then Geordie 
who has learned nothing from his previous experience in the holodeck, carelessly words of, <laughs> words of request and creates life. Yeah. <laughs> and Leah Brahms, uh, I, I think, uh, and he's like, it's just like a holographic, like, no personality thing. And then he says, like, oh, computer, can you load a personality that's a bit like what you think Leah Brahms might be like? Yeah. Uh, can you look at all our social media? Yeah. All of the comments she's put on under newspapers and sort of put that together into a person. And for, for more of an example of why that doesn't give you a true reflection, just watch that Black Mirror episode with Hayley Atwell. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> I, I think I don't know what else you can say about it. No, it's I just really weird. It should be okay. No. <laughs> it should be... Yeah. You... you there, they... should, I've, I, there should have to be a tick box in the Federation where you, like, get your fucking ID made. And it's like, you have to, you have to opt in to having Holodex somewhere make a version of you. <laughs> especially, right? Especially... It, it, I think people, like... I think by the time we get to Star Trek times, right, I imagine a lot of societal issues will have been solved or quenched. A lot of hatreds, a lot of isms will, will, have, will have been sort of put aside in the pursuit of, of greatness and the exploration of the unknown. Um, however, I think one part of human nature that we're never going to get rid of is that people like to fuck beautiful people. And we need, and if if you give us a, a, a technology where it's like you can literally recreate any beautiful person that you can imagine or who is real, and we won't we won't fucking tell them. <laughs> <laughs> you, like you have to, there, there has to be a thing of like there ha, there has to be a new system where when someone comes to any job where it's like ah there is a chance that this scenario might get replicated you are hot these are two unobjectionable facts do you want to tick the box that when this is inevitably because this situation is definitely going to be replicated by a head engineer right and if you're at head engineer (laughs) level you're either a, a violent lunatic alcoholic like that guy on deep space nine or you're a lonely boring incel so do you want to tick the box that says when this is inevitably replicated I will appear as myself but I will have the head of some kind of crocodile or a spider something something that will be really off putting I'm going to throw this out there Um, this is one of the few times where the fact that the federation doesn't have money is an issue because if this was like somebody if you could make your holographic self available via your only fans right that's yeah. that's a lot better but there's no reason to I, I, i'm not saying that pornography wouldn't exist in a cashless society but what i'm saying is it wouldn't be as good <laughs> i i think it is incredible that <laughs> that us two straight white cis men have sat here and rather than the uh, the solution to this issue just being find some way of doing consent. <laughs> We're just like no. The solution is make her ugly. 
That's the right, that's okay. the solution. Do you know what the solution is? See if see if we can see if we can have a setting where um, she's just covered head to toe in a sort of black robe. <laughs> right. That, that okay. Would be look. Right. And just just so that just her eyes are visible. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right. Okay. The the hollow decks in general undermine Star Trek quite a lot because you're watching Deep Space Nine now, aren't you? Right. Quark. Right. Has the only holodeck in all of Star Trek that doesn't continuously try to murder people because he's running it as a business. Yeah. <laughs> right? And the problem with that, you say, like, oh yeah, make it consensual. Yeah, that's good in principle, but all it takes is one person walking into Quarks with a holographic image of a woman and just going, there, here is a stack of latinum. I want the holodeck for four hours. Like, you can't, once you get outside of Federation space, this goes to the dogs. <laughs> it honestly might be... It might be a problem as insurmountable as getting guns out of America. <laughs> it's... There's just... We're, we're just, we're just going to have to, to form societies and... and, uh, and uh, what do you call it? Lobbying groups that will, that will, that will give off the, the benefits of a holodeck. Yes, occasionally we have to put up with some... Abnormalities, but look, I, I've changed my mind on the the gun debate in America because if I've learned anything from the last week, it's that sufficiently motivated teenagers can kill somebody with a knife. Um, so, um, you know, just Jesus. with a knife, and I imagine they beat it to death with a copy of Deathly Hallows. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but this is no, a fucking yeah. Elite list. <laughs> Um, do we want to talk about the actual Star Trekky bit and not the deeply problematic Geordie made a holographic woman who's a real woman? Uh, oh. Yeah. They, so they so they find it's an old ship, a Promelian battle cruiser, which yeah. I wrote down just because I like the word Promelian. <laughs> <laughs> and Wharf and Wharf and. Um, Picard like have a fucking like Venn diagram overlap of their specific interests because it is an archaeological site of a weapon of war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice to see Worf and his dad finding someone in common. Isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I have an unfortunate bit that we have to mention for O'Brien Watch this week. O'Brien Watch, um, which is that Miles O'Brien is a fucking creep. Right? <laughs> Just... Alright, you don't need to suck up to the bus that hard. Right? Riker saw right through what you were doing with your little ships in bottles. But Miles yeah. O'Brien never made a ship in a bottle in his life as a kid. No, Miles O'Brien has never sufficiently had an empty bottle in his hand long enough <laughs> to even contemplate putting something else inside of it other than his own piss. You, you put an empty bottle in Miles O'Brien's hand and that gets thrown at the nearest Englishman. <laughs> Usually data. <laughs> do you think Miles perceives data as being English? Um, an emotionless robot who tries to tell, thinks he knows better than you, has a smug sense of superiority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've 100% that's how Miles O'Brien. And it's higher up in the ranking you for no reason. Also, what we don't talk about a lot on this uh, podcast is between now and then, Ireland has gone through, of course, the Space Troubles, which is the brief period where um, 
island was um, colonised by androids. <laughs> I thought the space troubles was just uh, the pub crawl that Miles O'Brien went on for his uh, stag <laughs> <laughs> Do you, in Deep Space Nine, right? He does. Deep, he only does Deep Space One through Eight, though, because even he knows not to shit when you eat. <laughs> right. Here's a here's a thing, right? Deep Space Nine. Quarks is like is Quarks the only bar? I get like it's the bar bar that's got everything, but like Deep Space Nine's a big ring, and it just feels like it's a missed opportunity to do a pub crawl. If there's only one pub, also like you drink at Quarks, you do one lap of the the station, then you drink at Quarks again. Where does Cisco drink? Do you know what I mean? Because he's not going there. He sit down with with Dax and have a and have a pint and discuss the days. Because Quark will be listening. Does he just yeah. go back? Does he just go back to his own house? I imagine there's no. I imagine there's like a, there's got to be like a separate like. I know there's a Klingon Ractagino stand that does coffee. Do they do blood wine? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, the, the logistics are getting properly fucked up in space have not been covered adequately by any Star Trek so Strange New World season 2 I'm looking at you yeah <laughs> exactly I want cadets getting wankered I know how people get wankered in the Orville they just have booze <laughs> yeah they just have booze <laughs> yeah yeah I want to know I want to know exactly how like strong synthahol is compared to actual alcohol because <laughs> they yes. get they get drunk in lower decks, and lower decks is considered canon. Yeah, it's having a crossover episode with Strange New Worlds next season. Yeah, so I'm very excited. About take it. that, take that, everyone. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it is kind of a genius marketing move. With for like thirty minutes, the people at the head of Star Trek at the moment had the like the post the post come clarity to be like. Should we take the two things that people actually like and put them together? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then have a moment of like going, "Do our voice actors look close enough to their animated forms that we could get away with this?" Yeah, they were like, two, two of them do." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'm going to ask a question, right? Oh, I there's a there's a one. It, tiny scene in this episode which i think might be the most star trek scene that's ever existed which is we get a brief shot of data an android uh playing 3d chess against wesley the boy genius whilst they're in an asteroid belt that might be the most <laughs> star trek thing i've ever seen well gainan's cutting about just collecting glasses oh surely, she, surely she'd have a kid for that right Completely unrelated to this, I found out this week there are other bars on the Enterprise. Oh yeah. So yeah, apparently I was following something I follow on Twitter did a little thread about. Apparently, at some point there was a computer program released called Stage Seven, right? Which was basically you could walk around the Enterprise based entirely on the schematics, um, and like they so they, they was like nobody else has this. You can't get it for legal reasons. I have it still, so I'm just going to take some screenshots and put them up. And yeah, there's um. There's a there's a nine forward, which is just the bar that's immediately below the <laughs> ten forward. <laughs> that's why they never but get yeah, any look. noise complaints. <laughs> yeah, uh, this entire section zoned for leisure, so nobody could complain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was there when you moved in. 
there's no, there's, there's no getting around it. There's no, no matter how many petitions you give to Picard, we're not shutting seven forward. That's the strip joint. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, see, I think that's... Holo- so, ho- I have a thing about this. Geordie specifically goes to Holodeck 3. Yeah. And I think that that's the work Holodeck. <laughs> I think Laura mentioned this, actually. <laughs> what are the other ones up to? Yeah. Why does he go... Is, is three the one that's closest to engineering? Or is there a specific reason why he can't use one or two? <laughs> also, it just turns off while he's in there because they're trying to save power. What if somebody's like halfway up a fucking rock climbing wall? I guess you wouldn't fall that far. Yeah. Because I, 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 I had a look at how the holodeck works recently. And uh, the omnidirectional treadmill makes a lot more sense than it used to. Because basically the holodeck <laughs> just puts a force field under you and moves the force field opposite to where you're going. Yeah. So if you're, on a, if you're on a rock climbing wall, you probably don't get any higher than it would be, I imagine, for your for your leading leg to be behind well, your secondary leg. I imagine that... So you, Probably fine. Unless there's two of you. There's what if one of you standing on the floor? Then you get because because we've seen it. It goes up. It's at least two floors, two decks high. Yeah. So if I you're think, up at the I don't top, think you go up though. I think the, I think the wall comes down to you. How does that work if somebody else is in there standing on the ground though? Because it's just perspective. They, does it they, does it put a like a field like does it put a projection between the two of you that makes you think you're further apart? Yes. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated, isn't it? This yeah, thing that the we holodeck, don't have. <laughs> the holodeck is the most frivolous piece of Star Trek kit, and yet it's the thing that I have the hardest time working out how it actually. Like a warp drive, it's fantastical and ridiculous, but I get the basic physics of it. You can't go faster than light, so what if you bend space time so you're not doing that? You take it, you're sort of skimming through the universe. Yeah, you're taking a I shortcut. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. Whereas the, the, there's a lot of stuff going on with the holodeck. But then I guess there's a lot going on in the PS5. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that was all it was powered by. Jordan just <laughs> one of the panels and there's just a PS5 in there. Oh, man, and he just ejects Hitman 3 and he's like, there's your problem. Even even at that point in the future, Enterprise, they can't get a PlayStation 5. <laughs> I don't know, man. Apparently you can get them now. Oh. I, I'm annoyed that the PSVR 2 is so expensive. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm one of the few people that actually quite likes VR. And it also doesn't have Beat Saber. I don't like Beat Saber. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like things played, that are challenging. I've, I've never <laughs> played any any PSVR. That's the only game I know that exists that looks like something that I might enjoy. So I, I was like, ah, oh, this thing I was never going to buy anyway. I'm definitely out now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, did you, do you know, so have you, did you hear the story about the Palmer Lucky? The guy, Palmer Lucky is the guy who invented the Oculus Rift. And he's invented that because his favourite TV show is Sword Art Online which is a anime series 
where there's like an incredibly realistic uh, world that you um, can live in, and it's way more, it's way better than reality. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But of course, if it's got that classic, but if you die in the game, you die in real life. So Palmer Lucky declared the other day that he thinks he's halfway to creating the world of Sard Sword Art <laughs> Online. Because he's created a VR headset that can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the mask that they took away from it. Yeah, I, I saw this reported um, alongside an Onion article, um, which was called, um, Finally Technology Will Allow Us to Create the Torment Nexus from the wonderful science fiction novel, Don't Create the Torment Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he, he he put some explosives in a in a VR headset, and he thinks that's halfway to sort out online, failing to like making a headset that will kill you. I, I I could like you could have just hired me to stand next to somebody in a VR headset with a hammer. I, that would have worked. And, well. and if if the only <laughs> if the only way he can see of doing it is by putting explosives in the headset, in order to to maintain the criteria of it being realistic and the way that you die in the game is the way that you die in real life he'd have to make every single game about having a bomb on your head and like <laughs> it doesn't matter how like you could create the world's perfect perfectly rendered 3d virtual environment for us all to spend our lives on but as soon as i walk through that as soon as i do the tutorial then i walk through the door and it's like like that scene from end time where they're like beep all right now the bomb is armed. Fucking be on your way. I'd be like, I think I'll just leave it. I think I'll just go back to Resident Evil Four. The the real problem is as well. There's no is there's no point creating that game because there's already a game called Dynamite Heady. Yeah. Uh, and if you can't use that name, what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> and I like to play games on easy mode because I'm a coward. Um, what's our smaller explosive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just, just gives you. Uh, <laughs> Just gives you lasting brain damage. <laughs> oh. and then you can play the the next game of use a spoon, uh, but but on a higher difficulty setting than you'd normally do. So, how long do you think it'll be till we've got the old explosives in the brain? <laughs> I given the way Britain's been going over the last month or so, I'd be up for putting them in next week. Because the because the minute. <laughs> Because the obviously everything's going to shit, right? Everything's falling apart, yeah. and the minute someone can figure out a way to gamify that, <laughs> I I think is gonna is like we we're not gonna we we're not gonna need like people to like we'll have enough people volunteering for the Hunger Games, yeah. That we'll get a team yeah. together every year, and we'll enjoy it. That's gonna annoy me. Primarily because if you want to have uh, mass televised blood sport, the original movie Death Race is just better and more fun. It's got a man called Mr. Frankenstein who's got a, a grenade for a hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that over the Hunger Games. I don't want to see some fucking kid with a bow. Give me somebody who's got a fucking a machine gun mounted to a car. That's way, <laughs> it's a way better sport. <laughs> That's what they should give them. That's the problem with the Hunger Games, is it? They want these kids to murder each other in ways that they're not already experienced enough with. But every kid, you know, at the, by the age of 13 has played some sort of game where you kill people with a car. So if you want the Hunger Games <laughs> to be truly entertaining, what you need to do is find 12 working class children, 
put them in a big dome and give them cars. Give them Vauxhall courses. <laughs> and 25 minutes later, there'll be one of them left. Look. And they can get a week's food. We all know, we all know that vehicular combat is the best use of vehicles in games. Like, you might think Gran Turismo is a good game, but it's not a patch on Twisted Metal, right? End of. And Twisted Metal would be a better thing. Because yeah, I don't want to watch NASCAR. And I don't want to watch F1. But if those F1 drivers could fire machine guns at each other, I'm in. <laughs> Do you think anybody probably probably I imagine it'd be like Worth and maybe maybe Bev, right? I, do you think they ever take excursions to the holodeck where they're like turn on the um turn on the special tennis programme, right? And it's just like a regular game of tennis, but the ball is a live grenade. <laughs> and just 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 like just because Beverly likes to feel things every now and again, and she finds that oh. danger is the best thing. It's what she enjoys the most, but it has to be tennis, so that when Picard inevitably comes through the arch, they can just call out a thing, and it turns out it's just a regular ball. I no, I reckon that Bev uses the holodeck to she fires up like a simulation of just patients she doesn't like, and she <laughs> murders the, murders them. She just goes in, and goes holodeck load program shipment free. Yeah. Uh, and then she just goes in and goes, "Oh, what's that? Sorry, you didn't you, you didn't think my medical care was up to ah, and he's dead." <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, so, um, we should talk about the episode a bit. <laughs> um, they found little videos, I guess, of those uh, of the old people. That must have been quite exciting. Yeah. It was. It's a thousand oh, years, a thousand year old ship. So, like as Picard says, it's like that we just invented the typewriter on Earth when this was like made, and that's cool. But you know, <laughs> and it can't. Uh, and, and to be fair, it turns out it's that classic Star Trek thing of, well, if we also, I'm going to throw this out. So one of the things that runs through this episode is like they at the end of the episode they're like, if. We could use the computer has to have complete control of the ship, or we can do it by eye, and it's fifty-fifty. And Picard decides he's going to do it himself. Yeah, by eye. And the point is, well, human beings don't trust computers. Oh, progress! You're on a warp-powered spaceship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a there's a bit in a moment it's at the beginning of this where they pick up the the um the distress call from the ship, and. Riker that says it's been a thousand years since the entire race died out. There's no way there could still be survivors, and I was just like, "Bitch, you're in Star Trek." <laughs> Stuff like this happens literally every week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, could easily just go over there and go, "Oh, there's a guy in a fridge." Like, who knows? You don't know what they had. <laughs> Picard gets to do a that belongs in a museum, which I very much liked on the week that an Indiana Jones uh, trailer has has dropped. Uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm quite excited. Doing a lot of de-aging in it. There's Nazis in this one, which, as we know, makes for the best Indiana Jones movies. That's why Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull are the worst two Indiana Jones films. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, going back to Picard um, driving, taking over the helm uh, during an extremely tense an important moment from the child who normally drives. Um, yeah, what's next to the android and 
Riker, who is canonically the best pilot on the Enterprise. Just, just saying. Is he? <laughs> yeah. It comes up in uh, some later episodes. It comes up in that one with the f- the the, the um, there are four lights. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, because I always thought Picard was a pretty mint pilot. He's, he's, he came up with a Picard manoeuvre, didn't he? I think he did that more as a captain. He sort of said, we should do this. And then somebody else did the hard work and then Picard took all the credit. You know, yeah. like, at, at, like a captain does. Do you think that's what he wants? Do you think he wants the credit? Yeah. He's like, either they're going to tell stories about how great I was, or we all die and nobody knows it was me. <laughs> Genius. Because I'm going to say, one of the things that doesn't get brought up in this episode is that they could, you know, like, they could radio for help. Because the ship can't move, right? Yeah. That's the thing, like, they go to move and then there's like, a, a, the, there's something sapping their energy and using it to bathe them with radiation. But it, why can't they just, like, call another ship to, like, sit outside of where they are and just track to beam them out? I think they sort of... I think they, I think they addressed that though, didn't they? Because they said that um, we don't have enough time. We we only have like three hours. Yeah, just enough time for Geordie to get his rocks off. Do something. <laughs> yeah, you oh, would though, wouldn't God. you? <laughs> if you were the, if you were the head engineer, and you and you were in a situation where it was like the only way. The only way to escape this is to make top-of-the-line engines even better by methods... Well, I guess that's up to you, isn't it, Jordy? Like, it's a, it's a good thing you've got that visor so no one can see how fucking sweating you are. Um, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, no worries, man. Um, I'm just going to pop off to the holodeck to see if I can figure this out for three hours. Don't, don't disturb me. It'll be I'll be busy. <laughs> his original plan was just to fire up the program that is just being in a dark cupboard and crying <laughs> <laughs> Jordy, program three um, I was going to say when they beam over to the um, the ship um, originally like it's like uh, the old derelict ship and there's like the dead aliens in their seats I thought it was very aliens yeah that was cool and then they found um, the the audio logs of the original captain, um, which made me think, oh, it isn't Aliens, it's Dead Space. Because it's the most computer gamey thing ever. We've been finding audio logs, but then this was made at a point before like games with audio logs were fairly common. So they find one on the bridge, and then Data just finds all the rest of them in a cupboard, rather than being spread out in a way that progresses the story. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Also, can I say, like, the whole um, Picard taking the bridge, like, taking the helm, and he's like, oh, I don't trust computers. More good old human instincts. That's what we're going to rely on. Yeah. He's sat next to Data when he says that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who could have done it 800 times better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start- this Picard who- fellow, I'm starting to think he might not be up to the job. <laughs> I've got a sneaky suspicion that Picard doesn't get enough credit for being as lucky as he is. Yeah. Like, Picard exists down the, the unlikely branch of a lot of fucking timelines. 
right? <laughs> there is there are a lot of versions of Picard that have gotten the entire crew killed. Yeah. I mean, surely that's surely that's everyone though. <laughs> like, do they like yeah. they could? Because obviously, we have the Kobayashi Maru for the reason that you have to learn a no-win scenario. But there must be like beings in Star Trek that can see all future possibilities, and your yeah, final we'll interview this season. <laughs> yeah, your final interview as a captain is just to sit in front of him and they forgo. How mental is this guy? <laughs> like, is this guy? Like that's how they get admirals. Like if you're if you're just if you're just not mental enough, and you just get everyone killed all the time, but for really boring reasons, you don't get to be a captain. But if the reason <laughs> that you get everyone killed is your ability to think so far outside of the box that you can't even perceive the box, well done, my friend. Here's your here's your stripes. Picard didn't even have that interview. He just he he just he got out of the ho- he got out of the hospital from having his heart replaced after he got stabbed, yeah. <laughs> and there was it just and, uh, and there was this little little fucking letter away from saying you've been promoted to captain. <laughs> <laughs> Please report to the stargazer. <laughs> oh, what a fucking ridiculous life. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I really I, I genuinely don't really have anything else for this episode. I mean, looking through the making of, but there's nothing. Particularly, I think this is the first one, the first episode made by a woman, directed by a woman. Oh, okay. Good nice. job. I've also, I've just got in my notes, Troy looks nice, because um, she did. She had a nice dress on. Yes, then got no uh, lines, or maybe one line. <laughs> she was she was in a good, she was, ex- as an empath who could pick up on emotions, this was the first time she got to like pick up on Picard's unbridled, uh, you know, um, archaeology boner. <laughs> she was like, "This is just nice. It's, yeah. it's been a pleasant day, Captain. It's nice <laughs> Normally, to see you're this fucking you. miserable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jolly's up there crying. Yeah, I think they could have used a bit more Wharf in this episode. I think like having like Wharf be the person who can go. Well, it's a battle cruiser. Like it, like him be the one who could work out what the booby trap was." To some degree. Instead, they just find it like on the logs, don't they? I think we are getting to the point, though, where they're kind of rounding out the characters a little bit more, and because of that, their own specific skills tend to be coming into play. Yeah. Where, like, we understand them as a crew a little bit better, like how they work, rather than just what are their jobs, this is the person who does that job. We realise, oh, this is a Riker thing, or this is a war thing, or... Yeah, it's something like, broken. Get Miles O'Brien in. Wake him up. Um, wake him get, up. We need somebody to sit next to this cello. Uh, <laughs> get, get, get him off the floor of five forward because he's banned from uh, from six. He's been working upwards. his way down from yeah. ten. Start on ten. He's down at five. One forward is just a shed that he built himself. <laughs> the zero forward is just a shuttle that he's got outside that he hasn't told anyone about he beams himself over to it and he does that thing when he opens the door and all the empty bottles fall out <laughs> card's like these don't even have doors how did how did you even make that happen there must be there must be like somewhere on board like the Enterprise that's like crawl space like you know somewhere that isn't actually accessible from inside yeah it's like he has to beam himself into just this little pocket that's like just like the size of a small room, and it's yeah. filled it with boots. Because we already know that synthahol isn't as good as alcohol. So really, what that tells me is that if you are an alcoholic, you're just going to need a lot more of it. 
So I've got a question about. This I think he, I think he's got a vent. I think there's a fake vent on the Enterprise that has exactly enough room in it for him to sit up in a chair next to a replicator. I I've had I got a question and, I, and a tricolor hanging up behind them. So it's a question about Simphal. Is Simphal like a Federation wide thing, or is it just specifically on starships? Were they like right? Here's the deal. We need to have our alcohol be reversible with a hypo spray in case our chief engineer gets pissed. Yeah. Or was it like a prescriptive whole society? Well, we're just not doing this anymore. Like one day the the Starfleet president got pissed and took a swing at Romulan, and they were like, "Okay, we're just going to stop this now." Yeah, because I, I guess there is that thing in First Contact where the, the Enterprise crew are surprised to find out that Zephram Cochrane is a violent alcoholic. <laughs> and you'd think that that would be the story that would be told about him. I, know, I imagine every time you... I imagine Zephram Cochrane's a lot like Churchill. Like, it like it, it doesn't get sewn enough in, in the show, but any time you bring him up, there's always someone who's like, well, actually... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, a lot of people don't talk about Zephyr and Cochrane's role in the genocides of World War Three. <laughs> yeah, use the N word a lot. <laughs> it's like um, I feel like Zephyr and Cochrane. There's a um, there's a Studio Ghibli movie about um, and it's a, a weird one because it's based on like a, a studio, a weird like, Studio Ghibli movie. Oh no, no, Come on, no. but weird for a different reasons. Let me explain. Um, it's sort of semi like it's historically accurate like it's based on a real person right and it's basically um there's a japanese um well-renowned japanese and like uh aeronautical engineer who helped design a bunch of like japanese planes yeah and he made like great um leaps forward in aviation and is widely considered to be you know a bit of a genius but equally the planes he was building were used to do pearl harbor Right, so it's kind of a mixed bag on on that front, and I imagine that's a bit like I can't imagine somebody who had the engineering skills to make a warp core managed yeah. to go through the entirety of two major Earth-wide wars without committing at least one genocide. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to think that for everything, right? Because like the same way that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. There is no ethical creation in utopianism, because even even the guy who designed the visor that allows Geordie to see has definitely allowed some peeping Tom to take up back up his hobby after he got blinded <laughs> in an accident. Yeah, maybe I mean maybe once... he maybe he did get put off. Maybe he didn't find her stunt double as attractive. Look, but... I. I it's 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 a bold stance to take as a podcast, but I think we are officially saying some people do deserve to be blind. Uh, <laughs> and 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 once you've invented a cure for blindness, you can't you can't really well say oh okay well you've invented a cure for blindness. We live in a society where all medicine is free, but we're going to do this on a case by case basis. Yeah, please sit down and. Tell us over the next half an hour why you deserve eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any, eth- any ethics meeting for the human testing uh, when the guys present the visor and all the good that it's going to do humanity. One of the doctors just sits back and folds his arms and went, what if Hitler had been blind? 
Yeah, somebody's going to somebody's gonna be there going, like, to be racist going, just... when you can't see. <laughs> Could somebody use this? Are you are you gonna are you gonna guarantee me that nobody is gonna use this visor to read Mein Kampf? <laughs> I can't, we can't we can't say. You go. Whereas whereas now at the moment we know that all blind people have never read Mein Kampf because yeah. it's illegal to produce Mein Kampf in Braille. All all. Well, it's all... not illegal, but it's just against the wishes of the author. All. Uh... <laughs> All holodecks come with an inbuilt copy of an interactive version of Mein Kampf. We didn't put it in there. <laughs> it's just a, some sort of byproduct of the programming that we can't seem to stop. Yeah, it's the essentially the AI at the heart of the uh, the holodeck. For yeah. some reason, always downloads that. It's one of the lot of true crime podcasts. Uh, lots of stuff about Dharma. Uh, yeah, it's, it's anyway, why, I'm sure it's, it's why, fine. Enjoy. It's my rule number two of the holodeck is you can never use the expression "damn her." Because a holodeck might hear you wrong and load up something you do not want to see. <laughs> oh. oh, but yeah, yeah, Jordy's a creepy incel. Yeah, big um, time. And do you know what's? Do you know what's even worse? But you about know what? This, he saved the day, and that's what matters. Do you, do you know what's what's even worse about Jordy being a creepy incel? is that the the writers don't think it's a problem to the point where I know that it's not a problem because in series three of Picard, there is a character being played by Mika Burton, LeVar Burton's daughter. She is playing Geordie's daughter and her mother is Leah Brahms. Oh, oh well, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Locked out there, Geordie, didn't you? So if hey, hey, if you fancy somebody at work, draw a super realistic picture of them naked. Do what you want with it, and maybe you'll end up together. That's what Star Trek teaches us. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, episode. Yeah. Well, actually, no. It's a really, it's a really good episode. It is a good episode. Uh, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> really good. Yeah. yeah, really enjoyed it. It's got it's deeply problematic though. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yep. Absolutely. I, I thought we were past deeply problematic episodes of Star Trek. Gene's not dead yet. This must be the last one. It was like, what? It, like, they've gone. He just came in in his wheelchair, like, last thing on a gas mask. They wheeled yep. him in one last go around the studio. And he saw this script and went, what if? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did that. He, he had the, the Captain Pike buttons that got on the light and it just came up in Morse code. And they didn't even need to read Morse code. They could just see how fast he was pressing the button. And they knew exactly what they had to implement into the script. Yeah, beep, 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 Anyway, yeah, right. good episode. Yeah, problematic but good. <laughs> I'm gonna get that's gonna be a bit of merch. If you want a problematic but good T-shirt, I yeah. will have those up. Excellent. Keep my name off that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Until right. it makes money, and then put it back on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that was that. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye.
The Captain's Log is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Log. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.